Our God is awesome. You see, when the devil knows that something big is coming, he's upset. When the devil knows that God is coming, he gets scared. So you know what he tries to do? He's trying to scare his God's children. Brother-in-law went to Maranatha today to present a sermon. You know when you step on the devil's corners when he attacks. You see, someone said that when you're walking the road of a Christian, you will have the attacks from the devil. And it simply means that you as a Christian means something. It simply means that you as a Christian, you're doing something to catch the devil's attention. I can pretty much say that the devil was defeated today. He came and he caused an accident. You know, he might have dipped into some people's pockets. He might have dipped into some people's happiness. But he have never took our soul. So because he have never took our soul, he is defeated. Good morning, church. Happy Sabbath. It is indeed a privilege to be in the house of the Lord this morning. It's, it's so funny how this Sabbath started. They always said that, um, or sometimes people feel that when you're a Christian, everything should go smooth. You know, every time people say that, I'm a Christian and God's got me. But you see, I think people misinterpret that line. You see, because God got you don't mean so you won't face problems. Because God got you doesn't mean that you will wonder what is going on. But the song says, keep me safe till the storm passes by. So the storm will come, but it's up to us to decide if we'll make the storm get to us. You know, as I stand here, uh, you might notice I'm walking around a bit. I'm just trying to compose my nervousness. You know, the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So as I stand here, you might see me walking around, but don't worry. I'm, there's nothing happening, at least for the nervousness. Uh, when my brother-in-law came to me and he said, Boy, Jamie, um, youth month is coming up. I said, yes, that's true. You know, I was thinking of a scripture reading. <laughs> I probably will welcome or a prayer. He said, we're going to need you to preach. And my knees got a little bit shaky. And I said, all right. You know, God, you have delivered me in the past two Wednesday nights. So because you have delivered me in the past two Wednesday nights, another Wednesday night will hopefully you carry me through. And, and oh, just turns to me and said, no, you're not preaching on a Wednesday night. You're preaching on a Sabbath. I said, all right. <laughs> Let me take a seat. <laughs> because my hands started to shake. My knees started to wobble. And, you know, when you want to talk to somebody, you tap them on the shoulder and say, I need to talk to you. And I, I tap God on his shoulder and say, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you in my room, please. So I go into my room and I said, Lord, I want to understand something. I want to understand why you chose me. I am so unworthy. I am so sinful. Lord, I have displeased you more than once. I've sinned against your name. I've sacrificed you over and over again. Why me? The thing I love about Christ's church is that he uses things to communicate to you. He, for some people, he uses the nature. Some people, he uses art. Others, he might use food. 
But for me, God uses music because I love music. And as I thought there thinking to myself, a song hit me. And the song says, if you can use anything, Father. And I paused at the moment and I thought about it. And in the Bible, I see where God used birds to feed his manservant. In the Bible, I've seen that God used a donkey to speak. So, oh sinful, wretched man that I am, I may be nothing, but it's still enough for God to use me. I said, all right, Lord, you, you catch me with that one there. I kind of like it, you know? I said, no, man, but I still have something else I want to talk about, Father. The devil is vexed with me. He attacked me from the front, from behind, from the side, from every angle, Father. How are you going to expect me to present a sermon knowing that the devil is on my back? And as you see this morning, the devil is even fighting even now. Now the Lord hit me with another song. It's a very old song. The song says, I am coming up on the rough side of the mountain. I must hold on to God. And you see the thing someone said to me, they said, you cannot climb a mountain that doesn't have rocks. And I thought about it. I said, what do you mean? She said, if the mountain is moved, there is nothing to hold on to. So your mountain has to be rocky for you to climb over your mountain. The question is, how bad do you want it? It brings me to the topic of my sermon. And that is, how strong is your why? Another way, how strong is your reason? How strong is the reason for Christ? When the challenges of life hit you, how do you respond? How strong is that reason? How strong is that reason for you to say, Lord, I'm being attacked, but I'm pressing on the upward way? How strong is your why? Let us pray. Lord, we pause at this moment to kindly thank you. Because, Lord, even though we have just started, we know we have won the victory, Lord. You said that he who is with us is greater than anyone who is against us. So, Lord, we come today thanking you for victory in the name of Jesus. Lord, we see that the devil tried, and he's going to continue to try, but we have news for him today, Lord. We can tell him the war is already done because he has been defeated. I just ask that as we come to you right now, Lord, we come bringing our cups, Lord, because we are thirsty, Father. We are hungry. Our week hasn't been the best. So right now, Lord, we are coming to you asking you to fill our cup like the woman at the wall. Bless us and keep us. And Lord, I just ask that you wash me, that I may be whiter than snow. That as I present this word, you speak to me that I may share it to everyone here. Hide me behind the cross and have everyone see you high and lifted up. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. How strong is your why? Quick question. How many of us know the sport boxing? Hands? Sport boxing, yes, yes. All right, not many women hands enough with us. That's all right, that's all right. Um, how many of us know the famous boxer Mike Tyson? Okay, okay, so looks a bit better. Well, what we know about Mr. Tyson is that he, he started his career running. You know, people say you normally crawl, then you walk, then you run. Miss, Mike Tyson started his career running. They said that he had a powerful, a powerful right hand. They said anyone who falls into this right hand falls and never gets up. I've also read on the, um, 
commentators, they said that, you know, we don't come to see if Mike Tyson would win. We come to see how he would win. If it's an uppercut, a jab, however it was, we, we, we were not interested in seeing him win anymore. And um, do we know the boxer uh, Buster Douglas? Mm, I hear a few comments. So probably a few of us know this man. You see, he's not well known, but he was the first to make history. You see, uh, Buster Douglas saw that Mike Tyson was a very, very strong opponent. Nevertheless, he said that I will fight him. People said, you must be crazy. You've seen how this man demolished every other person. Why would you think you'd be any different? He said, I will fight Mike Tyson. So said, he went into the match, and the match began. And we were expecting to hear that Buster Douglas won, hooray, story done. In the first round of the match, Buster Douglas was knocked out. In the first round of the fight, Buster Douglas was, was knocked out. He was, he was faced with that blow from Mike Tyson. He fell on the ground. And I feel that the reason for Buster Douglas' fight hit him more than ever. What did Buster Douglas do? He got to his feet. And after he got to his feet, the first bell rang. As he sat there in his corner, I could picture Buster Douglas going back over the reason for why he's fighting. As I sat there looking at Buster Douglas, I could picture him saying, what if I fail? But then I reminded by the Bible, it's in our weakness that God is strong. So even though he was weak, he got strength from something. Story goes on to say, in the third round of that match was when Buster Douglas made history. He didn't last the five rounds with Mike Tyson. He cut the fight early and knocked him out in round three. The question I want to ask the church is how strong is your why? When life comes and hits you on your back, what do you do? The easiest thing is to stay down. Yes, I can tell anyone, the easiest thing is to stay down. When you work very hard and you take a seat, you know how hard it is to get back up. But it's not better. If you stay down, there's nothing to gain. There's nothing to gain. There's a song that tells me, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like wings, like the eagles. They shall walk and not be weary. They shall run and not faint, if I'm not mistaken. Teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord, how to wake. So we may fall. We may stumble. But the race is not over. One thing I love about the Bible is that it's a book with limited stories, but it's a book with unlimited meanings. So you can read one story a thousand times, and each time you read this story, you get a different meaning. I want to look at some people in the Bible. You see, we all have a reason for why we do what we do. Is, is that, we understand that? And the only question we could ask ourselves is, why am I doing this? When I look in the Bible, I, you know, I like to talk to the Bible. I was like, well, what is this that you're doing? Why is it that you did this? 
And we're going to question three people in the Bible, the reason for their why. We want to question the, these three persons in the Bible. Why was it that you stood up? Why was it that even though the world was against you, you stood up nevertheless? First person I'd like to talk about is Job. Our scripture reading says, The Lord giveth, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I look at that scripture and it hits me very hard because it's not easy to accept when, the, when God has made his decision. It's not easy. It is not easy. But for someone to say that, that must have meant they had a relationship with God. As we look in Job chapter 1, we see that Job had it all. Job had it all. It shows here that he had, um, that's in Job 1 verses, I think, 5 to 7. If you could get that up there. Sorry, Job 1, 2 to 3. My bad. That is Job. Yes. So we see here that Job had seven sons and three daughters. Verse 3. And he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 Verse 3? Yes, 500 yoke of oxen and 500 donkeys and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among the people of the East. So we see here that Job was a man. He had everything to earn. And he gave thanks to God for everything he had. And we see that in the first chapter, not even the first three chapters or the first two chapters, but in the first chapter was when Job was attacked by the devil. You know, something I noticed in boxing, when you hit someone and you see them feel it, you don't wait for them to recover. I look into the story of Job and I see that after one, after one, after one. In the Bible, it shows while he was yet standing there. If you can get it, I think that's Job 1, um, 7, if I'm not mistaken. 16, sorry. Job 1, 16. See, what happened before this? Um, the, the devil came to Jesus. And... You know, God asked him, where comest thou? He said, I have come from the earth because I've been walking to a fro up and down in it. And you know, I feel that the devil came across Job one, two times. He came across him. He noticed Job's existence. He walked across and said, Job, is all right. Walk on. He come back again and said, Job, all right. You see, when he came to Jesus, that, G that God said, Have you considered my noble servant Job? You see, Satan's response showed me that he came into interaction with him. He said, Yeah, man, I see him, man, I see him. But the only reason we can't touch him is because you have an edge around him. He said to him, Remove the edge around him and see what we do with him. 
That's, that's, what, that's what they say in Jamaica. So as you put it down in, in clear English, remove the edge around him and I'll destroy him. And you know, this is something that God does a lot. God stands back and said, do what you want, but I know my servant will come true for me. How many of us can say that will come true for God? Sometimes when Jamin is attacked, you know, instead of Jamin falling on the floor and worshiping, Jamin finds himself arguing with God. Oh, sinful, wretched man that I am. But we thank God for hope. We thank God for mercy. Because when we argue and curse God, God could simply snap his finger and we're gone. But this is the God of another chance. This is the God that never gives up. He said, okay, I understand you're frustrated. I understand that you're upset, G-man, but work with me. Talk to me and we'll make it through your problem together. So the devil said, so God allowed him. He said, go ahead, touch him, but just know you won't touch his soul. And off left the devil. And I think that's where the battle the match started. This is where the, the war began. As he stood there, he says, um, this is Job 1, verses 16. This is where it starts from. While he was still speaking, was there, I think there's another one before this. 14, sorry, Job 1, verses 14. Job 1, yes. A messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing. And the donkeys were grazing nearby. 15. And the Sabians attacked and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. I want you to notice something in the next verse. Job 1, verses 16. Next, next verse. The top line, it says, while he was still speaking. I want you to pay attention to that. Another messenger came and said, the fire of God fell from the sky and burned up the sheep and the servants. And I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. Number 17. Next verse. There it is again. And while he was still speaking. So it's like one servant is standing here talking to him. He didn't even finish it. And this one starts to talk to him. Another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Number 18. While he was still speaking. So this is now three persons talking to him. So one here, one here, one here. Yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house. 19. When suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert, the desert sorry, and struck the four corners of the house, it collapsed on them and they are dead. I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. So in the first chapter, Job had it all. Job lost it all. Had we been in that situation, what would have been our response? 
The question I ask the church again is how strong is your determination to finish the race with Christ? How strong is your why? The scripture says, and Job got up, tore his robe, shaved off his head, then fell to the ground and worship. This man must be crazy. <laughs> After everything was taken away from him, he had such a relationship with God that he fell on the ground. He said, Lord, I know I lost everything. Lord, I know you gave me it and you took it away. He said, naked into this world I came. So I came into the world with nothing. So Lord, for the stuff you gave me, I thank you. It's hard to accept that you take it away, but Lord, lead me and I will follow. He said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Sometimes we find ourselves in a situation and we curse God. We say, oh, you give this to me, said so it's mine, and you take it away. You give me this job and you take it back from me. You give me this husband, now it's a living hell. You give me this wife and I can't sleep. There's something I'd like to note, though. <laughs> the children, yes, correct, correct. I'm a child, you know, so, you know, I don't really want to talk on the children's part. <laughs> the question is, what kept Job going? Do you think that Job's relationship was formed at the very beginning of this chapter? <laughs> Job's relationship with God was not a day. This was not an express service. It's like, Lord, I come to express this, this relationship to you. So I want to have a relationship, a relationship with you that lasts six years in a day. Job was a man that feareth God. And the only reason for Job to have said what he said was because of the relationship that he had with him. This was the relationship he carried with him through his days. You see, when you're working for Christ, just know you're known by the devil. If the devil don't know you, it's a disgrace. If you're Christians and the devil walks across you as though he doesn't know you, just know it's a problem. And you see, something important to take home as well, church, is that when you're doing what you're doing, you have to know what it is you're doing. You know, sometimes you find people driving and it says, how do you drive? He said, my father taught me. How do you do it? You can't teach nobody how to drive. You know, sometimes people say that um, I go to church because, you know, my mama dragged me to church. You know, people say, why do you sing? If I don't sing, my mom will switch me. <laughs> People ask, why do you do chores? I do chores because it's something my parents said I should do. But you see, as you grow older, they come in and say, Miss Jackie, why do you come to church? You say, I come to church because I have a relationship with God. People ask you the question, why is it that you praise God even though the heavens fall? It's a mean, my Jesus, we have a good thing going on. Though Satan is on my back, I will never ever turn back. With Jesus on my side, we have a good thing going on.
So after Job got the blow from the devil, and you notice the, the devil came. I think that the devil is a serious boxer. He threw one there, he threw one there, he threw one, he threw at least four blows at poor Job. And if we notice, Job responded with one blow that run him. <laughs> after he, everything was taken away from him, Job said, The Lord have giveth. And the Lord has taken. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What else could the devil do? Only thing he could have done was run. Only thing he could have done was run. That was the end of the first round. The question that happens after this, or what happens after this, is that they come again, we meet again. And I can picture God just standing there watching it. He's like, mm. hello. <laughs> and he comes and he said, where comest thou? He says, you know, me, me, me come from walking around the earth and thing, you know? So, he said, okay, so have you considered my noble servant, Job, that there is none like him? You tested him and you failed. What else do you have to say? I could picture the devil walking around saying things, oh boy, I true that still, you know? But man, a boss, I have this. So he looked at God and said, you know, this is just the beginning of the, of, of the war. You know, sometimes so many things start to happen to us and we wonder what's going on. It's just the beginning. But someone said, with Christ in the vessel, we can smile at our storm. So it, with Christ being in our vessel, it won't stop the storm, but it will allow us to smile at it because storm, you have nothing on me. I will never jump out of this boat even though it's rocking. Because if I jump, I'll be worse out there than in here. So I will stay and get thrown to the sides and the sides in my boat. But with Christ in my boat, I'll be fine. So the devil looked at him and said, You know, um, I took away all these things. But I did this just for warm-up. But the thing you should notice is that when you touch a man's health, he will give up anything and everything to get better. You could picture God looking at him and says, you know what? This is my servant. Do what you must, but just know. I can picture God saying to himself, I know he's going to fail. Do what you must. Sorry. Um, but at the end of it, devil, you can't take his soul. He came in and he touched Job. There it was, Job was covered with boils and sores. And the only thing Job had left was his wife. The only thing Job had left was his wife. You see, in this moment of time when you're going under struggles, when you're going under problems, you know, the thing for a couple to do is draw close to each other as they focus on Christ. Unfortunately, this woman wasn't an Ebenezian woman. <laughs> Unfortunately. You see, that's why I love the Ebenezian woman. Amen, amen. She looked at Job and she says, You're still holding your integrity, huh? Foolish man. Curse God and dead because you're dead already. And this was the last thing that Job had. 
the last thing that you can touch. So his wealth was taken away from him. His servants was taken away from him. His children was taken away from him. And the only thing he had left to his name was his wife. And she gave upon him as well. And she said, curse God and die. And even though that was a case that would have pushed many of us to say, all right, this is it, Lord. Because the last thing I had was my wife and now my wife gone. What else do you want me to do? Job held on to his reason for why he was a friend of God. So I asked the church the question, how strong is your wife? When everything around you is gone, when your children, your wealth, life, your health is gone, what do you do when your ropes are up against the back? What do you do when your back is against the ropes? That's what I meant to say. What do you do when you feel that last unction of energy going through? What do you do when you're about to fall on your knees because you're so tired and weak? I heard somebody in the congregation said, press. Can we all say press? You see, the song, as I always love, I'm pressing on. New heights I'm gaining every day. You see, they, when we press, there's always something to gain. We may press when we're tired. As you know, for the men who work out in the gym, you know, they go in there, oh, oh, and they go home and say, yes, I've gained from stressing my muscles. For us to gain a muscular a muscular body with Christ, we have to stress, we have to press and work for better. You know, no one said it would be easy, but we know through faith we can get everything done. He said, as long as you have faith as the mustard seed, you'd be able to move mountains. The most important thing about this is that Job's response to his wife. He said, you speak as those of the foolish woman. He said, the same hand that God used to bless us, don't you think bad things will come as well? It doesn't mean because God bless you, you're, 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 you won't have any problems for the rest of your life. You know, there's a scripture in 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. I'd like to bring up on the screen, please. That's 1 Peter 12 and 13. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. This is a very serious, serious scripture. Can we read it together? It says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. As though something strange. Next verse. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. So that you may be overjoyed. The scripture says he was bruised for our transgressions. It said the chastisement of our peace was, um, was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. So if God did so much 
for us, this is the least that we can do for Christ. So when we have our, our trials, the song we can sing is, Teach me, Lord, how to wait. When, when, we, when, when we have these trials facing us, the only thing it says, Lead me, Lord, and I will follow. Job had friends. He did. And his friends told him, you vex God. That's why, you know, that's why this is happening to you. And the point I want to make about Job is that after each test, Job worshipped God. How many of us can worship God even though the heavens fall? We're not saying that it is an easy task. It's a walk through the park. But the Bible says in Philippians 4 verses 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's in my weakness that God is strong. So if it's in my weakness that God is strong, I can assure anybody and everybody that if you want it as bad as you say you do, you will get through it. So we see that Job was tested with everything he had. He was tested to curse God and basically rejoice, make the devil rejoice. First failure. That's, that's the first loss for the devil. So we have a one win for God, one, one loss for the devil. We look at the three Hebrew boys. What was the Hebrews boys' test? A lot of stuff. So much. But I want to focus on a time when their, their relationship with God was put to the test. You know, sometimes people think that um, the test begins where, you know, I have to, I don't know, the test begins where, where I have to forsake God and worship man. You know, I think the most serious test is between life and death. You know, some people think that I will worship God today, but if a man put a gun to my head tomorrow, I don't even know the man. In the disciples, <laughs> Peter said, Lord, I will kill for you. Any man will think them bad, I done them. Aren't you the man that I saw him? Me? Me not even know what I'm here look like. I don't even know if he's a man or a female, huh? I don't know the man. He, he, he said that I don't know Christ after telling God that I will fight to the end for you. You see, their test was to pledge allegiance to man over God. And you know, a lot of us may say, that will never be me. But we pledge allegiance to our jobs, to our finances, to our spouses. All of these, all of these stuff, our children... And this is not our God. Because none of these stuff will be able to deliver us when everything else goes. The question we ask is what they did and why they did it. You see, their, their response to the king, and what I like is that people wanted to see these three boys fail. So they say, oh, king, live on forever. You know, so the three Hebrew boys over there, they never bow. Sometimes people, we say we'll never work on a Sabbath. And people say, all right, watch how I can get this person down. Carried him into the officer. I heard Jimmy and said he's not working on no Sabbaths. Yes, 
boss looks at you and says, Jimin, what do you have to say for yourself? What is your response to the king? You say, well, well boss, you know, say, um, I have amnesia, so I really don't remember what I said. You know. Or is it that this is the God who gave me the job? So if this God says I keep the job, not even you can fire me. Not even you can fire me, because here what? God made you, so did I. And he gave me this job, so you can try in your power to fire me. But if God says this job is mine, you could own the own company. You cannot get rid of me, because this job wasn't given to me by you. It was given to me by God. So if God gave me this, you cannot take it away. You cannot take it away. And if it should be that we, we are not no longer at that job, it simply means that he's calling us to higher heights. He will never call us to give us a demotion. I've never seen anyone get a demotion from Christ. So anytime we step out of something, we're stepping higher. We're stepping higher. You know, they, they were asked. I feel as though they were asked, why is it that you don't bow? Do we think it's because of fear of Christ? You know, you know, say, boy, I don't want God to beat me. You know? So, Nebuchadnezzar, I'm going to you, but this God will beat me, so I'm not bowing. And I don't think so. Their response to the king shows that not only did they fear him, but they had a strong connection with him. The Bible says in Exodus, Thou shalt not bow down yourself to any other gods but me. I, thy God, am a jealous God. So because I am a jealous God, don't bow down yourself to no other gods. These other gods may try, but I'm the real boss. So make them say whatever, make them do whatever, but it's me you're supposed to bow down to. And, and as they spoke, I can see Nebuchadnezzar getting vexed. His face rolling red. He said, all right, no problem. Fire. Tie them up and throw them in the fire. And the question I ask, which fire is it that you want to burn in? You know, a fire made by man can always be outed. It can always be quenched. But as much of fire extinguisher water and everything else, you cannot out the Almighty's fire. So if I have to burn in the fire down here, well, Lord, give me the strength to go through the fire. Because you said, yea, do I walk through the valleys of the shadows of death. I will fear no evil because, Father, you are with me. So if I have to go in this fire with you, Father, it's me and you. It's me and you and my reason for why I'm doing this. They risked risk everything they had. Because as you know, these three Hebrew boys, they had big, big, um, they were princes. They had high roles in the kingdom. Everything could have been snatched away from them. And they said, this role is not given to me by you. It cannot be given to me by you. It's by the knowledge that God gave me while I'm here. So if you should take it, then that's up to you. If you want to take my life, that is up to you, but you can't take my soul. He said, if I should die now, that means I've secured a place in heaven. So if God decides that he will deliver us, we're not about. If God decides that he not deliver us, we're still not born. Because if he's still not born, that is my allegiance to Christ. How many of us will say today, I will not bow? 
How many of us would say, my reason for not born is strong enough for me not to go down on my knees? The only reason we should be going down on our knees, church, is to pray to the Almighty. So if any man think that they're more than Christ, tell them to move. We looked at two, 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 two scenarios, two stories where these persons were perfect. And you might think, you know, Jamie, I can never be a Job. Because the Bible said Job was perfect. I can't be the Hebrew boys because I've never seen them fall or become short. I don't, I don't think this story applies to me as much. And, you know, I looked at somebody in the Bible that reminds me of me every day. This man's name was Jacob. At the birth of this man, he grabbed onto his brother here. At the very birth, this man came out holding on to his brother here. They said, this man will have the name Jacob because he's a heel grabber. He's a thief. Jacob was cursed with a name from the very beginning. As we look at the life of Jacob, we see that Jacob stole his brother's birthright and God had mercy. Sometimes we do things we are not supposed to do and God has mercy on us. Funny thing is that Jacob went away. So after he did something that was very sinful, God spoke to Jacob in a dream. So it shows me today that as sinful as I may be, I, mean, I will not be that far gone for God not to talk to me. As long as I know I'm going to always pray to God, then of course I know he will talk to me. So he spoke to Jacob and he says, the stars in the sky will be your seed. He says, and I feel that God wants to put in there, I know you have sinned and fallen short, Jacob. You have let me down big time, but I will bless you. God wants to bless us today, church. He wants to bless us even though, even though he knows that we have spot in his face. He wants to bless us even though we have turned our backs on God. He wants to bless us as long as we come to him. The question is, how bad do you want your blessing? As Jacob went, he, he found his two wives, Rebecca and Sarah. He was conned for the very first time. He was conned to get the two of them. And instead of learning from his mistake, Job te sorry, Jacob thief and lied again. So when he noticed that his father-in-law is behind him and his brother is before him, what else could Jacob do? You see, in our moment of time when we, we are wondering, where should we turn? Should I go to the left or go to the right? God will step in that second to see what you do with him. When Jacob saw what was about to happen, when Jacob came into contact with Christ, he saw who he was with God. And he saw who he was without God. And the thing I think Jacob did was he held on to the fact that if I'm with God, everything should be okay. So let me hold on to him tight. Sometimes we find ourselves in a situation and one prayer isn't enough. Sometimes we have to fast. Sometimes we have to cry out to God. Sometimes we have to be like the woman 
who came to Jesus and said, I need, I need a blessing for my child. You know, even though Jesus basically ran the lady, she came back and she said, Doth not the dogs eat crumbles off of the master's table? This is a woman who knew what she wanted. When Jacob found out that God is forever his, when he came in that contact with God, he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Because, Lord, ahead of me is my brother who is about to kill me. Behind me is my father-in-law who wants to kill me as well. What else I can do? I can't do nothing else. You're my only way out. And even though I know that my name is cursed, I know that I'm a sinful man, but Lord, you are my only solution. So because you're my only solution, though the heavens fall, I will not let you go. He asked them, what do you want? He said, I want to change your name. I want to be made new. I'm already born, but Lord, if you give me a new start, I know I can make it. He said, what is your name? Sometimes God asks us, what is our name? To show us ourselves who we are. I am Jamian. I tell lies. I, I, I go to work at, at the wrong time and let people know that I'm this or I'm that. I blow off on people. I lie to God. I don't return my tithes and offering. When God asks your name, he wants to know who you are. And if you think you're lying to God, you want to lie to yourself. So when Jacob was asked, what is his name? This was him saying, I'm a thief. I'm a heel grabber. And when Jesus, when God seen that Jacob knew who he was, he was ready to make him someone new. The question I ask the church is, how strong is your why? You see, our walk as Christians is never easy. Every second of the minute, of the hour, of the day, of the week, of the month, of the year, the devil is at us. We are a victim. We are tested. We face trials daily. But the thing is, with Jesus, a victim becomes a victor. That person that is facing trials will be triumphant. And that person who is facing the test will have a testimony to share. The question is, how bad do you want your deliverance? For you to want your deliverance, church, you have to give it all to Jesus. Sometimes you give it to him and we take it back. You know, sometimes we doubt God. We say, well, God, I know that you've been there for me in the past. But Lord, in this moment of time, I don't know what's going to happen. And it reminds me of this pastor who shared a story. He came to him and he said, my son came to me. My wife left me three years ago. And my son came and said, Dad, we have been struggling for the past three years. We have made it true. But, Dad, this month don't look like if you're going to pass. This month looks like if it's going to be the end. Dad, this month looks like our story has come to an end. And he looked at his son and he says, Son, I understand. I understand where you're coming from. But when you can't tell the future, look at the track history. We look at Usain Bolt. When we want to ask Usain Bolt, are you the fastest man? I said, look at this record. When we start to doubt Christ, 
we are urged to look at all the things God did for us in the past. This was the same God who delivered us even though the heavens fell. This was the same God who paid our rent when we didn't pay a dollar. This was the same God who took care of our electricity bill even though we had nothing to give. This was the same God who put food on our tables. And not only did he give us what we need, he satisfied our wants as well. If this is the same God who did this for you, if this is the same God who made heaven and earth, why can this not be the same God who delivered you today? You know, there's a song that says, the Savior is waiting to enter your heart. The question is, why won't you let him come in? You see, when Christ is in your heart, then you know the reason for why you're fighting. When Christ is in your heart, even though you may stumble, you know that you have to get back up. Because you know the reason I am fighting is to make it to the end. Lord, I know I'm no track star, but I know you told me that the race is not for the swiftest. It's for those who can endure it to the end. So if I crawl to the finishing line, Lord, I'm crawling with you. I have to make it, Father. I didn't start this only to come to church and sit down in a chair, only to hear from you, depart from me. I know who I am without you, and I know who I am with you. That's why I need you in my life. As I close off, I just want to urge us that our wise will be tested. First thing, before our wise can, be, can become strong, we have to understand why we are doing it. You cannot have strength in your reason if you don't know why you're doing it. So if your why is not being developed, I urge you to seek Christ. If you have a why and it's being threatened, I ask you to seek Christ. If you have the why and it's up there and you need more, more strength in it, I ask you to seek Christ. Because when you have that relationship with God, no one can tell you no. No one can tell you that you won't make it. No one can say, this is the end for you, Jay. No man can ever tell me how my story will end. Because if my story is in Christ, then only he can tell me what's the end of my story. The question I ask the church is, how strong is your why? Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jamian, for the word that he gave us this morning. How strong is our why?